right, good morning, church. He is worthy, amen? As we fix our eyes on Jesus Christ this morning, let's put our attention on him fully. As we turn in our gospel to the gospel according to Luke, let's turn in our Bibles to the gospel according to Luke. Uh, we are in week 16. We're flying through at a rapid pace. We've made it to Luke chapter 5. Uh, verse 12. So we are there. Uh, if you're a visitor with us this morning, we're so glad you're here. We are going verse by verse through the gospel of Luke. And so uh, I'm Pastor Jeff. We're just so glad that you're here. I'd love a chance to meet with you if I didn't get to say hi to you earlier. In fact, let's just take a second. Let's, let's practice this. You don't have to shake hands. I know it's awkward, but you can look at people around you and wave and say, hey, nice to see you today. All right. Hey, I'll give that a C, a C minus maybe. I don't know. That was... If I was giving grades on participation, like that would have been rough. But today, as we get into Luke chapter 5, we're going to cover two different stories. And both of these stories are really giving us the same message. They're revealing to us that Jesus has authority to forgive sin. And so we're going to see two healings that take place. These healings are put together uh, for the purpose of pointing us towards Jesus Christ. There's a key verse I'd like to make you aware of. And it's verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. This being the culmination of the second story of what's going on. Jesus is here. He's teaching. He's going throughout all the cities. And he's showing and revealing himself to be the Messiah. He's showing that he has divine authority, and his divine authority is now being proved in the fact that he has divine authority over demons. He is able to cast demons out of people. He's shown that he can heal every disease, and so he's showing his divine authority over disease, and ultimately he'll show his divine authority over death. Jesus is revealing that he is God in the flesh, because who can heal a leper? Who can cause the lame to walk? And who can defeat death? Only God himself. And so Jesus is revealing himself through these miracles. And today, as we look at these two uh, diseases that take place, Jesus is showing that he is the Messiah who has authority over disease. Now, most of us in here, we're familiar with diseases, right? Everyone in here has been sick at one point or another. Maybe, maybe you're sick now. Just, just try to hold your cough in and don't, don't talk to, to that many people. But uh, last summer, we had an opportunity to go to um, England on a, on a mission trip, to Bristol, England. We were doing an American sports camp, and it was a great time. We're going back. They invited us back, which is a good sign. I had my doubts, but they did invite us back. And uh, so if, if you're young and athletic and looking to go on mission, just come talk to me after service because we got, we got some space. But uh, as we were there, there was this disease that maybe you've heard of it, COVID, I don't know. Uh, it was kind of making its way through, through the team, and it started with one. I'm not going to say who, who number one was, but it was started with one, and then it went to two, and then it went to three, and, then it, went to, and it just began to spread as the days went on. And not only did it spread between us as a mission team, but it started to infect those who were around us. It started to infect the church that we were serving with and those leaders. And so there was this moment in the week where they said, all right, we've had enough everyone's getting tested. And that was a great moment, right? That was just that, okay, we're, we're here. We're here for this. And so they began to test us one after another, and, and you began to see a, a group of people who were put behind a chain-link fence as if they were, as if they were contagious and quarantined. And they, this is how zombie movies begin, right? Like, so they were quarantined over here, 
And then there was a few of us, four of us, that made it to the end of the week. So um, I say that to say, like, as we get into this message about the leper, this leper knows what it's like to be quarantined. He knows what it's like to be kicked out, to be separated from everybody. And in fact, he, he busts through the, the laws and the cultural norms in order to come to Jesus at this time. So what happens, though, with all of those who don't get healed? This is a difficult question. What if, personally, things don't go the way that you hoped? I have news for you that God's word here is revealing that he still sits on the throne. In fact, he has all authority. And if you think about the ones that were healed during Jesus' ministry, they eventually would have gotten sick again. If you think about the ones that he raised from the dead, they eventually would have died again. And so Jesus is revealing himself here, and sometimes he does it in ways that causes us to doubt, to have discouragement, because Jesus simply hasn't flexed his authority in the way that we have hoped that he would. John, the Baptist, had the same thought. John, who said, Behold, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. The one who said, I I visibly saw the dove descend on him, the Holy Spirit descend on him. And I, I know for a fact that he's the Messiah. He's the one that said, there was an audible voice where the, where the father said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is the one who later says, why are things not going the way that I'd hoped? Luke chapter 7, later on, we'll read this, 18 through 23. The disciples of John reported all of these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, are you the one? Who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. John had become offended that Jesus was not flexing his divine authority in the way that he had hoped that he would. In fact, C.G. Moore says, I know of no hours more trying to faith than those in which Jesus multiplies evidences of his power and does not use it. There is need of much grace when the messengers come back saying, yes, he has all the power and is all that you have thought, but he said not a word about taking you out of prison. As we move into Luke chapter 5, 12 through 26, we see where he encounters a leper and a man who is paralyzed. So let's pray before we read his word. Gracious Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word today. We thank you for the account that has been written down, the truth that was inspired by your Holy Spirit so that we can know you more evidently and more clearly, that you reveal yourself to us as the Messiah, the chosen one that God had sent to redeem those who are lost. And so, Father, as you reveal yourself through your Son to us today, may we be drawn to repentance. May we be drawn to your feet in worship. And may we come to you when we're unclean and when we're broken and when sin has just wreaked havoc in our life. 
because you're the one who has authority to forgive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 5, starting verse 12. You have your Bibles? Follow along with me. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for the cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. This is God's word. First thing that we see is Jesus has authority to forgive sin and cleanse the spiritually sick who seek him. Jesus has all authority to forgive sin, and he cleanses those who are spiritually sick who seek him. Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, verses 7 through 8, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus teaches this, and certainly he's not saying that every believer will always get what they ask for, because that's just not true. Certainly our wrong motives and our sin as we come to the Lord are a hindrance, and sometimes it's simply his will be done and not our will be done as we come and we ask and we verbally pray. But we're called to come to him when we are sick spiritually and verbally pray, cry out to him, ask. We're to seek. We're to mentally search. We're to seek after him in his word. We're to be engaged in our mind and our thoughts with a humble heart, coming before the Lord, asking for him to reveal himself to us, and knocking that there is a point where there's a physical act that takes place. There's a pursuing of Christ with physical effort. Jesus says, those who come asking, seeking, and knocking for salvation will find it. And this is exactly what we see in these two stories. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, leprosy in that day was, 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 was not a good thing. 
probably this is taking place outside of the city, but however, it's not clearly said there in, in the text. So this actually could be a man who just bolted through the city gates and said, I don't care about all the rules. I'm going to get to Jesus. But more than likely, he's on the outside of the city and he's been cast there because that was the Levitical law. Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let his hair on his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has that disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. So here we have a man that the physician Luke calls full of leprosy. Now, leprosy would have been a term that would have been used for any kind of skin irritation. It could have been eczema, for all we know. But this man is so full of leprosy that the physician, Luke, is telling us that this is a severe case. This is not something that's just happened. This is not something that this man just got diagnosed with. This is something that has been plaguing this man for quite some time. It's Hansen's disease. It's where uh, this disease begins to affect the nerves of someone especially in their extremities, their fingertips, their noses, their ears, to where they will actually lose limbs. They'll lose their nose. They'll lose their ears. They'll lose their fingers. This will cause a great deformity that comes upon the person. It starts with a legion that then turns into different kinds of, um, different kinds of um, I don't know, growths that take place, tumorous growths that take place that it's called lion's disease because they begin to, their face becomes so deformed because of this disease. This is a man who is desperate. This is a man who is deformed. This is a man who has been cast out. This is a man who is alone. In fact, he wasn't even allowed to have a pet dog. I know as shocking as that sounds, because if he were to pet that dog, and that dog was to make its way back into the village, there were fears that it could infect everyone. He has no companion. And the leper, he saw Jesus, and he came to him. He came to him, he broke protocol, he invaded the safe space of others. He didn't let fear of rejection, the fear of others, his shame, his insecurities, he didn't let any of those things hinder him from coming to Jesus. Let me ask you, do you let things hinder you from coming to Jesus? Your uncleanness, your shame, your guilt, your fear of what others would think of you if you came and you bowed before him. In fact, he did fall on his face before Jesus. Matthew 8, 2, telling the story, says, Behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This literally means he worshipped. He fell prostrate in worship before Jesus. What I love about this is that this man worshipped Jesus before Jesus had done anything for him. It didn't require, if you do this for me, I'll worship you. He knew that Jesus was worthy of all worship, regardless of how he was going to answer his request. We don't worship God because of what we get. We worship God because of who he is. And even if we're going through a difficult time of life where we feel shame and isolation and, and rejection from others, he is worthy of worship today. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He believes without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus can make him clean. F.F. Bruce says, men more easily believe in miraculous power than a miraculous love. Do you believe that Jesus can love you the way you are?
Or do you feel like you have to clean yourself up for him to even look your direction? Well, the story of the leper tells us that Jesus has a miraculous love for those who are the outcast, those who have been put outside the camp, those who are repulsive to others, those who are full of shame and guilt and fear and rejection. Jesus has a miraculous love for even the ones that we would never even look at. In fact, leprosy is a great picture of our sinful condition. Leprosy was an inner disease that had uh, its symptoms on the exterior. A lot of times we see sin as the exterior things that we do, but our sin is on the inside. It really works its way out of our heart into our decisions in our life. And so we may say, oh, that's a sin, but really the reason that sin is taking place is because I'm still a sinner. You see, leprosy was a disease that caused you to be separated, to be rejected, to be placed outside the camp. And so leprosy, like sin, we are separated from God. We are alienated from him and his righteousness. In fact, we are what they would say, as the leper was, a walking dead person. We're walking dead if we are without Christ. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Just like the leper, we were dead. We were outside of the camp. And if Jesus today is not Lord of your life, you're a walking dead person. You are physically and spiritually being deformed and destroyed by the sin that lives within you. You're becoming numb to the pain and the severity of your sin. And you are separated from a holy God. But even for us, who have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, persistent sin in a life that is left unchecked and unconfessed can continue to separate us from God's fellowship. Sins are like, one person said, a dark curtain over a sunny window. Sun is still there. The curtain simply creates a separation from that warmth and that light. Some of us, Though we know Jesus Christ as Lord, have deliberately pulled down the shade to separate ourselves from God so that we can do whatever we want in the dark. As John 3, 19 through 20 says, this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Now the leper did not fear coming to the Lord. He came to the light, fully exposed. Repentance is this act. Repentance lifts the curtain and restores a right relationship. Any unconfessed sin in the life of a follower of Jesus, it can create a separation from God or what feels like a separation from God. God doesn't leave us. The light is still there. The sun's still there. The warmth is still there. We have simply just decided to pull down the shade. And we do not lose our salvation in this because Jesus has paid for our debt fully. But we can lose the sense of his love 
his miraculous love. We can lose the sense of joy and peace that is offered by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. In fact, 1 John 1.9 would say, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I would pause today and say, do you need to come to the feet of Jesus? And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus was willing. I love that. He's willing. He's willing to touch the untouchable. He's willing to love the unlovable. He's willing to embrace the ones that have been rejected. This man has not felt a physical touch since he was diagnosed with leprosy. And the first touch that he feels is the hand of the creator. It's the hand of unconditional love, no matter what situation you're in. Jesus is willing to meet you exactly where you are today. Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful truth that Jesus loves us enough to meet us exactly where we are. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and um, to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. Jesus now gives a command. After the healing, he gives a command. I think this is great. It's two-part. First one, tell no one. Part two, go and show yourself to the priest. There's an order to this in which Jesus wants his, his uh, now cleansed leper to go through. Because obedience to God's word comes first. Obedience to God's word comes first. It would, it would seem odd, wouldn't it? If someone was to run around yelling that they had been saved, they had been changed, they had been made clean without ever submitting to the word of God. Wouldn't that be odd? And so Jesus says, let's get, let's get this in the right order. Let's see obedience. Because your obedience to the word of God will strengthen your testimony about what God has done in your life. He goes because when he goes and he presents himself to the priest, he will then take the attention off of himself and he will place it on the one who has healed him. Leviticus 14, 1 through 7, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn in his sop. Verse 5. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who, has, who is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into an open field. Do you see this? There's a sacrifice. There's, there's one 
who dies in another's place. That this life that was once dead is now signified in the death of this bird. And the one that has the sprinkling is now being set free. As F.B. Meyer says, We are made free from the penalty of sin through the blood of him who died. One of the birds was killed in the earthen vessel over running water. Here is symbolized the precious death of thy Savior in the earthen vessel of human nature and in connection with the living power of the Holy Spirit, which bore forth the tidings into all the world. We have been dipped into the crimson tide and are freed, as the leper was, from the taint of our disease. He might go freely among men and join the congregation of worshipers, and we may mingle with the saints and enter the very present chamber of God. Jesus is revealing that he has authority to forgive sin, to cleanse the one who was unclean. Our testimony as we go out is strengthened by our obedience to God's commands. It's strengthened by that. Our testimony is not about who we were and how we're better people. Our testimony is about Jesus and what he has done in our life. Number two, Jesus has authority to forgive sin and heal the spiritually broken who come to him in faith. Heal the spiritually broken. John 6, 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. There's a two-part here. The Father gives, and then they come. So this is what happens here. There's men bringing someone by faith to the feet of Jesus. As the song, Just As I Am, has added lyrics to it by Travis Cottrell, it says, I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms. Praise God, just as I am. One of those days... As he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So now Luke sets the scene for us. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, were gathering together in this crowded home to hear Jesus preach. They were there because Jesus was gaining immense popularity. They were there to, as keepers of the law, make sure everything was going as they sought fit And they possibly were a little bit suspect of this man who was getting such a large following. And so they're looking at ways to discredit this rabbi, and they were looking for areas of blasphemy. And then this disturbance takes place. And behold, some of the men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst of before Jesus. Can you imagine this scene? They're listening to Jesus teach. They all have their notepads out. They're taking notes. They're trying to decide if what he's saying is true. And then there's some guys literally tearing the roof off the place to get to see Jesus. Ask, seek, and knock a hole in the roof if you have to, right, to get to Jesus. This is basically what we see taking place. So they're knocking a hole in this place, and they're going to lower their friend down in the midst of Jesus. As I read this story, I think about how inconvenient it might have been to walk up on that house with your friend and say, the crowds won't let us in. 
the religious people who are in there are too busy doing their religious duties to notice the broken person outside. They're too busy going through all of their routines to notice that there's one who desperately needs to be at the feet of Jesus. And so sometimes we simply go, well, it's just not in the cards today, but not for these men. These men said, you know what, let's put our minds together. Let's, let's seek an opportunity. And you know what, let's knock. Let's knock a hole in the, in the roof for this friend of ours. And when he saw their faith, verse 20, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. When he saw their faith, I love this. Their faith was unquestionable. Their faith was obvious. And why was it obvious? Because it was full of action. Faith without works is dead, is what James tells us. So there is such action that takes place that these men, they demonstrate their faith in bringing their friend to Jesus. So how do you demonstrate your, your faith when it comes to bringing people to Jesus? A deep love for a broken friend. Let me ask you right now, do you have a deep love for someone you know has been broken by sin? Does it, does it ache in your heart? Well, it goes further. They have a deep-seated conviction that they're willing to carry their friend to Jesus. We're not going to just pray for them. We're going to seek an opportunity to bring our friend to Jesus. And when that door is closed, we're going we're to have a determined sacrifice that we're not going to take no for an answer. We're going to we're gonna have money and effort and, and all the things that we need in order to make sure that we can get our friends our friend before the Lord. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Jesus doesn't immediately heal the physical disease because the man's need is far greater than that. He sees the man's true need. The true need is forgiveness of sin. Jesus addresses the source of the brokenness rather than the symptoms of brokenness. We may never see the symptoms of our sins fully removed and fully relieved in our fallen human bodies. But we can have the faithful assurance that the source of our sin has been removed because of the blood of the Lamb. And the scribes and the Pharisees, verse 21, began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. This is the point that Luke's trying to communicate. All throughout the biblical narrative, Jesus has the authority to forgive sins. Yes, he has authority over demons. Yes, he has authority over disease. Yes, he has authority over death. But ultimately, he has the authority to forgive our sins when we come to him in faith. He's the one who forgives. He's the one who unconditionally pours out his grace and mercy and love and forgiveness on those who are spiritually sick. Jesus is the perfect high priest who now intercedes for us with a perfect sacrifice for sin. 
because he offered himself to save us to the uttermost. Hebrews 7, 25 through 27. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. The uttermost. This combines two words, complete and eternal. A complete and eternal forgiveness for those who come to Jesus in faith. Kent Hughes says, Whoever a man or a woman is, whatever he or she has done, no matter how heinous the sin, whether murderer, infidelity, perversion, child abuse, betrayal, embezzlement, lying, jealousy, hateful gossip, or whatever, Christ can save you completely and eternally. This is the gospel. This is the good news. The good news is those who are unclean and those who are broken can come to Jesus by faith and experience the forgiveness of their sins.